0: A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, 19 to 21, 24 to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No one, book, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will neither hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And can any of you, you by worrying, add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you will need all of these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of the Lord. All right, good morning everyone. I'm Bianca, I'm one of the seniors that will be talking today. Um, And I thought it would be nice to give a little background story about me. Um, Unlike many of the people in focus, I didn't go to church when I was young and grew up atheist for almost half my life. Um, Some of my relatives believe in Buddhism or Christianity, but my parents never really were devoted to one religion. My first real encounter with the Bible and discipleship was when my parents uh, put me into private Christian school, um, which had excellent academics um, and where my cousins also attended. Um, Through schooling, I became interested in seeing what a relationship with God could look like. When I was in high school, my mom actually fell into depression and had a brain aneurysm. Um, But thankfully, she is better now. Uh, But during this period, I was homeschooled and I trained six hours every day in hopes of one day qualifying for the Olympics for badminton. I was away uh, away from home for half the week because I trained an hour away. I was young and I didn't understand the severity of the situation. So I sought God for comfort, strength and most importantly, hope. I remember I prayed every single night um, before I fell asleep and before every tournament game. Um, It was at this point where I had a moment of realization that I, I believe in God. Um, at the end of high school, I tore my ACL, uh, which put an end to my pro badminton career. But I knew that I wanted to continue being active in the badminton campus here, or badminton club here on the Berkeley campus. Um, I also realized I wanted to join a Christian fellowship to explore my faith more. I briefly attended a different church fellowship uh, during my freshman year, but felt judged of my interests outside of the church group. I think some people find God or feel their connection with God to be strongest through different activities. So for me, um, I found God in badminton, but for others it could be through music, art, or something else. I felt that badminton, uh, or I felt that they found that uh, badminton was pulling me away from God rather than a way to live out my love for God. So I started to question my relationship with God comparing myself to others. I was always contemplating, am I Christian enough? Um, In the words of Matthew 6, 24, was I serving two masters? My imposter syndrome became so overwhelming that I realized that I needed to find a new church. And I luckily stumbled upon First Press and Focus, and I got to meet amazing people like Libby and Josh, um, who made me feel welcome after a year-long crisis of faith. I've met so many amazing people from various backgrounds and different personalities that I honestly wasn't used to, Um, but there was something Kathy said that still really stuck to me today. Um, The more people you get to know, the more you'll understand who God is. Um, In focus, I didn't feel like I was serving two masters, but rather my love for badminton helped me love God more, and my friends here affirmed me of that. In focus, I felt the passage was, seek seek first for the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added as well. And it's true, God has added so much more to my life, and I have been able to find great joy and love in this wonderful community every single day. Thank you for being my home for the past three
1: years. Please be seated. It it was in the script, and so, you know, I got to say it. (laughs) Thank you all so much for having us on this University Sunday. In the past, most conversations I've held with people older than myself have ended with something along the lines of, I'll see you soon, or, hope you have a nice week. For the past couple of months, however, an alarming number of conversations have ended with, wow, I can't believe it's already been four years. And to their credit, even I can't believe it has been four years. It has been four years since I came to this university. Four years since I heard from a family friend about a church at the corner of Channing and Dana and sat down to listen to Steve Steve Shipstead talk about refrigerator friends. And lately, as a result, I've been thinking about just how fleeting time is, but also just how precious it is especially when we chose this passage from Matthew for today's service. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus tell, warns us about being caught between two masters, money and God. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. We've all heard that saying before, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. However, Jesus warns us of another false master, In verses 25 to 34, he tells us not to worry about the future, for today's trouble is enough for today. He declares that only the Gentiles, or in some versions, the pagans, strive for questions of the future. Our time on this earth is precious because it is limited. We all know the age-old adage, time is money after all. And so, at the end of my four years at Berkeley, I find myself wondering, and I'd like to ask you to wonder, about whether I serve the master of time. And so when it comes to living in God's boundless grace, attending UC Berkeley seems to be the antithesis of a life lived in the present. Students at Berkeley are expected to be forward thinkers and strategists and planners. The simple act of choosing what classes to take is planning for an entire semester in advance. Many students, with the help of parents and advisors, coming to college with a plan all mapped out for the next four years of their life. If you took out a student loan, you're planning over 20 years in advance. (laughs) Coming to college to get a degree is planning for a career that could last you the rest of your life. And Jesus doesn't want us to even think about tomorrow. (laughs) And so we come to a crossroads between our faith in our God and the necessity of caring about our earthly present. It is said, do not worry, but with all due respect, Lord Jesus, telling me not to worry is not going to make me stop worrying. (laughs) With graduation next week signaling the end of my college career, there's no way I can stop worrying. For the first time since kindergarten, I don't know what my next step is. I've got my whole life ahead of me. And you know what? Not knowing is okay, because Jesus said that it's okay. I may not have found any answers in my short 22 years of experience, so I'll instead charge all of you with a question. Are you devoting your time to God? Is the the work you're doing benefiting the now or the later? Are you living in the present, or are you just avoiding the future? Are you present with your present work that has been given and cared for by God? I'd like to end by thanking each and every one of you for the time spent in this church and the ways that you all have opened up to embrace college students from the little campus about three blocks north of here. Thank you all for a wonderful four years. Go Bears.
2: Thank you, Bianca and Josh. Friends, this Easter season, we here at First Press are following the footsteps that Jesus' disciples took after his triumphant resurrection. Scripture tells us that from the empty tomb, those who knew Jesus and loved him went out into the world to share what they had seen and had witnessed about this man, this God. And with each generation that followed, people of faith have been doing the exact same thing. How do we know this? Just look around. 2,000 years later, and here we are, a community of believers comprised of people of every age and place and background, all proclaiming the same truth, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that God is love, which means that all of us, despite and in light of our differences, are bound together not by circumstance or tradition or even belief, but love. That is, after all, why each of us are here. Someone who loves us told us about God. Someone who cares for us embodied the compassion of Jesus Christ. Someone who we trust showed us that hope in the face of hardship is not proof of ignorance, but evidence of faith. Which means that none of us got here on our own and none of us remain here on our own. As the psalmist says, one generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Together we shall celebrate the memory of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And today we have gathered to do just that. Two weeks ago, we were inspired by the future leaders of our church for seminary in Sunday. Last week, we were blessed to hear from Pastor Emeritus Earl Palmer and to honor those who have served this church over the years on Heritage Sunday. And today, we get to be led in worship by members of our college ministry and particularly our graduating seniors on this University Sunday. One of the things I heard a lot when I first arrived here was that we, First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, are a university church. Now, what exactly does that mean? Now, on the one hand, it means that we are but a stone's throw away from an institution full of people pursuing the highest heights of higher education. Some of the greatest thinkers and scholars and innovators in the world shaping and challenging every field of thought. What a gift that is. But it also means that we are but a stone's throw away from an institution full of people in the midst of some of the most intense years of their entire lives. Those for whom going to college means leaving their homes and their families in order to secure for themselves a bright and a promising future. What a ministry opportunity that is. For those of us who were privileged enough to attend any college, you probably remember that those years could be easily defined as the best of times and the worst of times. Now imagine going through all of that in the midst of a global pandemic. Exactly. For our graduating seniors, they were in the middle of their sophomore year when the pandemic caused the entire world to come to a screeching halt. And while many of them left the campus during this time, that doesn't mean that college stopped. Classes continued, tests were taken, and the hustle persisted. Seen in that light, our passage for today, a timeless and beloved scripture, comes alive in a new way. A passage that was handpicked by our seniors. Yes, within its verses lies wisdom for us all, regardless of our age and stage in life. It is a passage I need to hear and be reminded of constantly. But again, seen through the lens of our university students, students who are card-carrying members of the least religious generation in history, I believe that Matthew 6 is even more rich and relevant for us, regardless of our birth year or educational background. And so with that, I want to use my remaining time to address the graduating seniors who are with us in person or online, And those graduating seniors, we at First Prez, call our neighbors. So here we go. Right in here. To the class of 2022. How did you do it? Now, I know I'm supposed to say, yay, you did it. A declaration of the obvious achievement you have dedicated in the past four plus years of your life to, but we already know that you did it. What I want to know is how. How are you still standing, still smiling, still coherent, still awake? More importantly, how are you still in the church, still worshiping, still serving, still proclaiming a God, a Savior, that says absolutely ridiculous things like do not worry about tomorrow? I imagine that's kind of like saying to you, do not breathe or Do not look at your phone for the rest of the day. Or do not concern yourselves with the one thing everyone else around you is obsessing over. Or, you know, do not think your thoughts. I get it. As Josh so rightly noted, don't worry doesn't make worrying go away. But I think Jesus knew that as well. You see, right before he paints that pretty little picture of the the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he clearly states, as Bianca noted, that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot place your eggs in two baskets. You cannot put your faith in the things of this world and our God in heaven. Why? Because they are at odds with one another. Now one master, the master of the world, makes promises that actually make logical sense. If you do this, then you will get this. If you, will work, if you work hard, then you will get what you want. If you are smart, then you will make a difference. Or to put it in the blunt terms of scripture, if you have money and wealth and success, then you will be happy and healthy and secure. This master will tempt you with certainty. But as you have seen in the past four years and throughout your entire lives, nothing is certain. Then there is the other master, the one who speaks in this passage. Now, this master doesn't promise the best job or the perfect partner or the biggest house on the block. He doesn't peddle in awards and accolades or even degrees. He says crazy things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek and the merciful. Pray for your enemies. Forget earthly treasures. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And above all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, Rejoice in the Lord, rest in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord your God loves you more than all the masters of this world. And there is nothing you can do to earn or lose that love. It is already yours. So in light of that, again, we come back to those three little words, do not worry. Now, I know you are used to being spoken to in directives. That is, after all, the language of the masters of this world. If you do this, then you will get that. But the language of this master, the language of Jesus Christ, is one of invitation. Do this so you can receive that. Do not worry about tomorrow so that you can focus on today. Do not look over there so you can look right here. Do not be concerned about building a life of security so that you can invest in a life of love. Do not be consumed with what you can earn so that you can be in a place to give. Do not be slave to the masters of this world so that you can live into your identity as a child of God. Do not worry about your life so that you may actually live your life and live it to the fullest. And so my dear graduates, yes, you did it. You survived and you thrived. You hustled and you worked and through it all, yes, you even walked with God. But never forget the most important truth of all, that wherever you go, whatever you do, that God is walking and will always walk with you. Amen.
3: Hey, everyone. My name is Libby McBride, and I'm also a graduating senior at Focus, also up here to share some reflections and thoughts with you all. So it might come as a big surprise to all of you, but these past four years have not gone as I planned. Maybe college never does, but add in COVID and a boatload of surprises, and well, here we are. I've been trying to reconcile my time here and elucidate the through lines that have kept me steady through all the change and all the sorrow. As I've spent the last four years here at First Prez as an active member of Focus, it's been really difficult to watch Focus dwindle. But between caring for your babies as they've grown into preschoolers and finding second family and focus partners like Tom and Janie, this church family has held me and loved me through the storm. I lived in the 242 house for two years from 2019 to 2021. During my sophomore year, the house was truly a home. I loved hosting focus in the 242 house living room each Wednesday night We'd welcome in our fellow classmates and crowd together in the living room. I would lead the worship band and praising God together as a community, and we had space to put down our college anxieties and nourish our souls. Flash forward to my junior year, and on these same Wednesday nights, my housemates and I would log into our laptops in that very same living room and hope other students might join our Zoom. Sitting alone in that living room during the pandemic was painful. I would think back to the nights we had in that room as a community, and it felt like those memories were ghosts. I had a hard time accepting this massive change, and I still do, as I'm sure many of us do. I've spent so, many, so much of my time, like probably most of you, pondering hypotheticals, spending so much time thinking about the what ifs. What would college have looked like if? Who were the people I would have met if? What would focus have looked like if? And what traditions might have lived on if? Yet one afternoon, as I sat there in the 242 house living room, reminiscing of days past, a thought came to me. Do not dwell in the what if, but rest in the what is. As Josh and Charlene pointed out, it's natural for us to worry, and it's really hard to expect ourselves not to. And it can be really hard to be content in the present. Jesus tries to placate these worries and anxieties, reminding us, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. And let me tell you, it is. So, Telling us not to worry, I don't really know exactly how we can do that. And I don't know what that means for me, for you, for Focus, for any of us. I do know that God tells us God will feed us, will clothe us just as God does the birds in the air and the lilies and the grass of the field. We come together as a community to remind each other of this, even when it may not feel true. We gather, whether it be in a thriving community in a living room, a persistent community on Zoom, or a rebuilding community in a room at church. First Press has been a through line of my college experience and I want to thank you all for that. I've seen God as I care for your kids on the playground and I've felt God's love as so many of you have welcomed us college students to your dining room tables. I have hope in God's love and God's plan for my future and I pray that you all do too. So thank you.